0: Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights podcast, where we talk about interesting recent work in natural language processing.
1: This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Today, our guest is Nanyun Violet Peng. Uh, She just graduated from the Johns Hopkins University uh, with a PhD in computer science, and now joining uh, ISI at uh, UC uh, University of South California uh, as, uh, as a research scientist. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, her recent paper in TACLE titled Cross Sentence Energy Relation Extraction with Graph LSTMs. It's uh, co authored with Hoifang Poon, Chris Quirk, Christina Tutanova, and Wen Taoye. Uh, so, could you tell us uh, just a brief introduction about this paper? What's the main motivation for working on, on cross sentence energy relation extraction?
2: Sure, yeah. Thank you for having me here. So basically that summer we want to work on some real relation extraction on the biomedical domain. And there, there are um, natural, um, there are natural demand and they want to extract drug gene and mutation interactions so that it can help the cancer uh, bio, uh, precision medicine for cancer uh, research. So uh, people are actually manually created this data set and they took years to do it and they only have hundred or nearly uh, a thousand entries of this interaction. They also have some online community that people can comment under those facts so they can collect it to share with everyone. So we as computer scientists we think, okay, well, why cannot we automate this uh, process? So the original motivation was we want to extract the unarray um, relations more than two entities involved. And then when we consider those unarray uh, relations, it's more natural that they will appear in uh, a cross-sentence boundary because it's hard to mention all the things just in one sentence. And also, it's um, it's a structure of how they um, how they do the how they write the papers. They usually uh, have the things spread to several things.
1: So, did people, the researchers who work on relation extraction, try to address this problem, uh, extracting energy relations before, or is this the first time uh, someone tries that?
2: Mm-hmm. I would say specifically for relation extraction uh the i think we are uh very pioneer on the on our relation and uh chris quirk they had a previous paper on cross sentence relation extraction i think they also pioneer on that but on a more um uh how to say if ways uh, on a higher level uh, the whole information extraction community uh, for the event extraction it's usually a cross sentence and uh, it involves more than to entities at some of the uh, event so there are those works but for relation extraction specifically i think we are p- pioneer on the on and right end crossness
1: so i'm very interested in like your perspective on how relation extraction especially entity relation extraction compares to event extraction the, the problems to see, seem to be kind of two perspectives for the same data uh, so are you do you have any insights on how how do you like uh, create a mental map of the difference between these two problems?
2: That's a good question. I think um, I think it's event for me, it's like conceptually event is a more um, grand thing that will involve in more things. But the relation is, uh, so more of the relation between the entities. So event is more like there is a central thing happening. So in a lot of, event extraction research, people do slot filling. Uh, That makes a lot of things for me because I feel it's event driven and then there will be things involved. But relation is more like we are trying to extract the relations between the entities. So from the goal, from the perspective of the research goal uh, and the granularity, I think relation extraction is a finer gradient.
1: Right, so, uh, so in event extraction, people often talk about trigger words, and that's like uh, it's, it's a special thing in the event, but in relation extraction, all the entities involved are like equally important, I think. Um, yeah, that's, that's my, yeah, my I,
2: perspective.
0: I don't know that it, I, that trigger words are too important because a trigger word to me evokes something like frame net, frame semantics, and frames are an area relations. Uh, I, To me, the difference is more that, uh, at least as I've seen people researching event extraction talk about it, they uh, uh, an event is something that is located in time, and so uh, it it has like it's a specific temporal event, and you're trying to find the arguments like the participants in this specific temporal event, whereas relations are things that are not located in time. It's just this gene interacts with this. drug, uh, sorry, this drug affects this mutation on this gene in a particular way, and that's true no matter when, it's, we're not trying to find out um, some some temporally located thing, it's just there is a relationship between these and things, and we want to find that relationship.
1: But, uh, um, so this is very interesting, because I feel like the, uh, the, the, as- the temporal aspect of event extraction that you're talking about doesn't seem to be critical for... Uh, for the definition of the event extraction problem it it uh, it, 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 happened. it so happens that when we uh when people are extracting data sets uh, or collecting data sets for event extraction uh, this is the kind of data they were looking for but uh, i don't feel that there is an inherent uh, re- like data representation uh, distinction here
0: yeah i i agree with you um i'm The caveat here is that I haven't really extensively studied either of these things, I've just seen talks by by these people, and it seems like you you asked at the beginning what the perspective is on these different problems, and I think the perspective is event extraction people think of these more in terms of temporally located things, and relation extraction folks think of this more as a relationship between end things.
1: Right, makes sense. you describe uh, the graph LSTMs and the document graph. Would you like to explain wh- uh, what these are, why they're important for this problem?
2: Yes. So basically, uh, as I said, we want, uh, we're want we trying to uh, approach the problem of an array relation extraction and cross-sentence unarray an relation extraction. So we face uh, several problems. One thing is uh, we are a cross-sentence boundary and we need, to, uh, we need a way to capture very long-range uh, dependencies. And also, we currently have an unary relation, and previous research, uh, when they consider binary relations, they usually use the shortest path uh, between the two entities to design feature or design neural architecture that uh, appear to be very uh, important, very informative, uh, thing and we we want to incorporate those as well. So basically, we want to simultaneously uh, incorporate different type different types of dependencies, and we want to capture the long distance dependencies. So that motivate us to design a graph LSTM that contain all those information in one graph.
1: So how would you um, avoid um the, LST, the graph LSTM, if, if we don't have the graph LSTM, you would still be able to um, design um, an encoder for the three uh, entities that are involved or more, uh, but just like by by treating them as a linear sequence. Uh, is, is this one of the uh, one of the models that you compared to? Or?
2: Uh, you mean the shortest dependencies passed between the pairwise entities? Right. Yeah, I think I ran way Compare it with um, like the we extract we extracted features uh, between the pairwise uh, pairwise uh, shortest path.
1: Okay, so the, so is is the motivation that we would like to be able to extract direct relations between uh, the pairs that are not contiguous? Is, is that why we need a graph LSTM?
2: Oh no, I I think one thing is we want to have something general, so the for this one one we consider three entities, but we can also easily imagine we will uh, there will be need for more than three entities. So uh, you can essentially do all the engineer trick and also when it the end goes to larger, it's also involving some engineering de- design on how you do the pairwise, how you combine the pairwise features. So there will be a lot of things, but we want to keep things simple and uh, basically can scale to the other uh, scenario as well.
0: I think it'd be easier to get at um, Waleed's question. Uh, if you first explain the, what the model structure is for when you're trying to predict an NRE relation, and then we can talk about the difference.
2: Okay. Yeah, so uh, basically we, uh, we want to have a model that uh, will be able to incorporate different type of dependencies and long-term dependency. So we uh, first do preprocessing to the input document. We got all the, um, all the syntactic dependencies and the discourse dependencies and the correct uh, uh, relations between the sentences. And we also have the original uh, chain structure, uh, the we call it time sequence structure, like the original order. So we have all this information in one graph, and we're, we're trying to design a uh, a representation learn learn learner then based on this graph, and we'll be able to incorporate all the uh, arcs uh, the connections in this graph. So one natural uh, and one thing. Uh, you wouldn't notify is in this graph there are cycles, especially when you consider the uh, other Jason's uh, relation, and then the, there will be dependency and discourse relations. There are cycles, so it's um, it's not straightforward to design some neural networks that can train on a cyclic cyclic graph. And uh, so uh, basically, oh oh, and then the. After designing this representation learner, we're trying to just use this representation learner to learn the representation for each of the entity in a sentence. And we can use that representation, we would view that representation as a context representation for entities. And we only use that representation as our feature to feed to a, a relation classification, classifier to make the final decision. So, so, so
1: we assume that we already know which entities we are interested in capturing relation between.
2: Uh, do what
1: we, do we assume that the entities themselves are the entity mentions? Oh the yes,
2: boundaries? the the entity mention and boundaries is already given, and we use it. We use literal, literal to do this pre step.
0: Right, and so then the goal is given a sequence of word embeddings. Mm-hmm. and some entity boundaries. We literally yes. just want to get a vector for each of these entities, concatenate exactly. them, pass them through a feed forward network and classify yes. relation, right? And yes. so now Wally's question is, couldn't I just use an LSTM for that? Why have this graph stuff?
2: Yes, so if you use an LSTM, you basically only can capture one type of dependencies at a time. And you can use several for each each, each LSTM for one type of thing, and then you you put them together.
0: Right, so we have the the LSTM only can do like sequential information. We've had tree LSTMs that can like look at the syntax of the sentence in in some sense, but your graph LSTM lets you encode also co-reference and discourse kinds of features, right? Is is, is that a good description? Is there something I missed?
2: Yes, I I think this this is it, and also we want something um, general, so you essentially can do them separately. We, I think when we are cons, uh, comparing the baselines, we compare with a tree LSTM, we also compare with a bi-LSTM. So we basically these two information and we put them together. And one thing is uh, uh, we tried to include and exclude the discourse and coref uh, connections. We found that it, when we exclude it, the performance was actually better. That's an unfortunate thing. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But I think uh, one thing is we we just use the pre-processing uh, tools to do this. So the current um, discourse analysis and CoRAF on the biomedical domain are not uh, in the stage that you can uh, they can provide very uh, informative information. That's our assumption. Um, yeah. So, but but even if we didn't use it in this specific problem that we're approaching, the f- framework is flexible enough to include all of them.
0: And so then because you're you're using just the linear, the, the word sequence information and the tree information, you could think of this just as like a combination of those two, like that's, yes. that's what you're getting? Yes. Interesting, yeah, I remember some work by Sam Bowman, the spin paper that did a very similar thing where you build up a tree, uh, you get a shift reduce representation of a, of a syntax tree, and you can do tree composition at the same time as a linear chain's uh, LSTM. So seems really similar in the end to, to that kind of work, but you're right, yours is more general and could, in, in theory, incorporate uh, much richer kinds of dependencies. But this, yeah. this, as you said earlier, leads us to a problem, which is there could be cycles in this graph. So how do you handle backpropagation in this setting?
2: Yeah, so I am currently use a very uh, simple method based on the ob- observation that we can decompose the cycle into two directed acyclic graph. Uh, by if you um, define a topological order on this graph, and then you put all the arcs from the left to right in one graph, and for the, the arc from right to left, uh, in another graph, then you you have two DAGs, and then you when you put these two DAG together, you will reconstruct the the whole graph. And the the current topological order we are using is just the original order in the in, in the uh, the
0: original sentence order. Does this give you the same gradient as you would get if you actually treated the cycles correctly, like with some kind of iterative estimation procedure?
2: No, it won't be the same. But if you use the, uh, uh, there are also cons for the if you decompose it into several steps because uh, the, then the gradient steps you can pass will be restricted by the n step, the n, right? So uh, I think it will be a very good uh, study on comparing different ways to approximate a uh, signet graph by like decomposing it into, uh, unroll it into several steps or decompose it. And all, also we were trying to compare different ways to decompose it. So in the paper, we only mentioned that we have the time sequence uh, order Actually, I also tried to use a uh, tree order. So basically, from the root to to uh, the leaves and then the reverse, and that didn't uh, uh, performed as well. That's interesting. Yeah, very interesting.
1: So the it, centralized formulation only allows you to have one preceding um, uh, a- input. How do you how do you do a graph? How do you allow a node to have multiple previous nodes uh, in the in the in your paper, you describe two methods for doing this. Uh, so, two modifications for the LSTM. Uh, uh, if, like, without getting into the details of the math equations, would you would you like to give us just like high level idea of uh, what are the two, the distinctions?
2: Sure. So, basically, when you have several proceedings, you essentially, uh, as from my perspective, you essentially uh, need to have several forget get. If we stay in the LSTM. Uh, region. So basically, if you have several forget gates, you will be able to uh, in, 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 integrate all the information from uh, the precedents, and you basically combine them.
1: Right. Uh, so do, do you feel like the distinction between the full parameterization and the edge type embedding, uh, the two ways you use to, to extend LSTMs? Uh, are worth discussing, or do you feel like this is too?
2: too uh, yeah, I think we we can discuss it a bit. So as I said, uh, for the different precedent, you want to have different uh, forget get, and then how you parameterize those forget get will be a problem. Uh, the current will be like raise uh, will be worth some discussion. So uh, the current way we're doing is for. A type of entities will always share the same parameter for computing the forget gates. So when we have three types of different uh, arcs that we are trying to model, we will have three uh, groups of uh, groups of parameters that we are need. Uh, we need to learn, um, but actually, you can think of more more than three different types of uh, arcs, because if you go into the fine-grained uh, syntactic dependencies, there will be more than 100 different types. So in that way, you will face a, a severe um, exploding of the parameter exploding. That's the, one of the uh, motivation that we design the second variation, the embedding type variation. But uh, we find that that didn't perform as well, uh, as good as the previous one. And for the previous one, because it cannot scale up to a 100 of different types, we only stay on the core screen type. So the uh, dependency and discourse and then uh, adjacency. Yes. Yeah.
0: So it looks like at a, at a fundamental level here, what you're doing is you're summing uh, in yes. particular places over your many um, Inputs, right? LS, yes. The traditional LSTM just has one input because you have a graph, you have multiple possible ones, and you're just coming up with a particular way of summing the information yes. from all of those inputs, yes. right?
2: Yes. And you yes. do it.
0: You do it in the forget gate. You can imagine trying it in several other places.
1: Cool. So, uh, would you like to tell us about the application, the like the actual experiments that you ran uh, with this model?
2: Sure. So we're. Um, We apply it to the biomedical domain to extract the drug gene mutation interaction. And one challenging uh, one challenge we face is that we don't have any supervision, supervised annotated manual annotated data for us to do uh, fully supervised learning. So we basically take uh, we use distant supervision, and we take some previous knowledge base. We do noise. Uh, matching uh, to see whether these facts in the knowledge base match something uh, in the document within within a confine of several sentences. And if we match it, we treat it as a positive example. And others, we treat them as negative examples. Um, So this way, we collected 3,000 paragraphs of drug gene mutation relations. Uh, and we just use this for our training. Um, and since we have re- very small amount of training data, we're also looking to multitask learning where we decompose the unarray relation into binary relation. So when we are looking to drug gene mutation, we're also looking to drug gene relation and drug mutation relation. Um, so by... Uh, so this way, we can collect more data because when you consider binary relation, you can match more mentions from the the not uh, the role data. Oh, the row that the role corpus we were using is uh, PubMed.
1: Right. So could you could you explain the what are the relation types that we're interested in in, in the tertiary case and also in the binary case? Uh,
2: yes. So basically. In this work, we reduce the relation type to just positive relation or negative. They have relation or not have relation. Because uh, when we were look through the, um, the knowledge base that people manually created, there are conflicts. So in some of the entries it says this triple have, the, um, have relation of uh, prohibit. Then another entry, the same three entities, it said it have like, promote, so this type of thing usually happen. Uh, and also as a pilot study, we think it would better keep things simple, so we reduce it to, to binary: uh, has relation or not has relation. And so for these uh, unarray, and uh, I think I overload the the term binary. So for Pairwise relation and the triple relations, we uh, both to only do the positive relation, uh, has a relation or no relation.
0: And I, I think that's actually fair for limited classes of types. So I guess cities and countries. So I I, I did my PhD looking at um, knowledge-based completion, which is, uh, particularly when we have a text corpus, so it's a very similar problem, um, and cities and countries really only have one relation between them. And so all you really have to do is say, are these two things related or not? And then you know what the relation is. And for genes and mutations, that's probably also true, right? There's probably only like, I I can't think of a, I'm I'm not a biologist, so I won't speculate too much. But um, uh, I think it's fair to reduce these problems because um, the types are are already a really strong constraint on the kinds of relations that, that could even exist.
2: Yeah, uh, so from the original database, we actually get five different uh, relation types, but we reduce it to two. Interesting. So, uh,
1: I'm curious to know, uh, so the, <coughs> the gene drug knowledge database, that's the one you use to do the distance supervision. Do you, yes. do you treat uh, any any records in this data set, uh, database as a positive example for distance yes, supervision? Yes,
2: exactly. exactly.
0: But,
1: but you mentioned that one of the things that people, uh, that people, the biologist label is that uh, the drug in, in, um, inhibits uh, or prohibits, right? Mm-hmm. These seem to be like uh, to be the opposite uh, things that we're trying to characterize. Uh,
2: yes, but we both we treat both of them as has has relation.
1: Okay, so uh, could, could you do you remember on top of your head how often was it the case that you match? Um, all three entities in the same sentence, but they turn out not to have the relationship?
2: We didn't manually look through the data because we also use it for like developing, right? We train our model and uh, tune our model on that data set. So we didn't look too much uh, into it, but we are fully aware of this issue. That's why uh, in uh, in addition to the automatic evaluation like five-fold cross-validation we also do manual evaluation by we training this model and we have it to extract all the fact from the the whole pubMed corpus and we uh, man, uh, uh, and we randomly sample several instances we, we randomly actually sampled 150 instances from the extracted fact and we have people to manually evaluate whether these entities has relations or not and uh, in that experiments uh, with very if if we give it uh, 90% of the uh, Confident way get uh, 75% of accuracy
0: so uh, To be a little more explicit in these details How how do you come up with a test instance? Like do you do you run a mention detector entity tagger first like how exactly does this test setup work?
2: Oh, uh, okay. So basically, we yeah we first will run lithodrom that is a uh, NTT extraction for the biomedical domain. So we will have all the wait the all the candidate will be uh, some sentences within three uh three sentence window that contains. At least one drug and one gene and one mutation mention. Okay. And then we map the we match the um, the knowledge base. And if the these three mention appeared in the knowledge base, we treat it as a positive example. Others we treat them as negative examples.
0: Okay. So uh, I I think to Walid's question, the, the key thing here is you have a window of three sentences. Yeah. So I did, like the last paper of my thesis was, um, one of the main conclusions was that actually if I if I ever see any, uh, a city and a country in the same sentence, almost certainly they are related. Because you would never talk about a city and a, and a country in which that city does not appear. At least mm-hmm. you would almost never see this in text. So if, if you see these two things in text together in the same sentence, then almost certainly they're related. Not a particularly groundbreaking revelation, but... Um, this is one thing that I found. Um, and so as I was reading this paper, I, I was thinking about this issue uh, because if I see a gene, a drug and a medicine, that's, oh, i sorry, a mutation, a gene, a drug and a mutation in the same sentence, then almost certainly they're related, right? But but you have this three three sentence window. And so there could be some discourse things that, that say we're changing topics and that's the thing you're trying to have your classifier learn. Is that,
2: yes. Is that right? Uh, yes, yes. I think the, then, then now the great way to answer uh, your question is, um, we actually, in the manual evaluation part, we actually try randomly sample the sentences where there are actually drug gene and mutation mentions in the three sentences. And there, the precision is only less than 20%. So less than 20% of the time, those things are actually has relation.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that, now that you said that, that, this is a three-sentence window, that makes a lot of sense because uh, you could very easily just like switch topics or or mention like they're they're not actually interacting, but they come up together within a few, couple of sentences.
2: Yeah, uh, I think this is one thing. Another thing is uh, I do look into those the manual evaluation data. So in those data, we see that in some times it will mention that we, are, uh, we are, uh, ha- have some trial on several different drugs. So there will be several different drugs and then there will be mention of gene and mutation. Then among all those drugs, a lot of them aren't about any relation and also they are just talking about uh, clinical trials. That's, that's, yeah, that possibly would be something that's specific for the biomedical domain. That's
1: yeah, sort definitely you want the harder cases. Yeah. Um, so, would you like to give us a, a quick um, summary of the experimental results? I'm looking at uh, Table One that shows the, uh, uh, the cross-validation accuracies and showing how the LST how the Graph LSTM compares to uh, the, the the baselines.
2: Yes. So basically, we compare the feature engineer baseline, where the feature uh, the features include all the uh, syntactic. Dependencies discourse, and we also do uh, heavy feature engineer to try to include and exclude all those features, and then we compare with CNN and uh, BiLSTMs, and we find that LSTM's in these, uh, we find that all the uh, representation learning method performed better than the feature engineered uh, feature engineering baseline, and then uh, LSTM performs better than the, the CNN. And uh, the BioSTM and TrioSTM performed similarly. I think TrioSTM performed a little bit better and the GraphLSTM um, also performed better than both uh, TrioSTM and ChainLSTM. Yeah, but one thing is the, the differences wasn't as large as we would hope. Do
1: you do you remember uh, to what extent was it important to uh, to do multitask learning or adding the the uh, peer wise relations?
2: Yeah, so the multitask learning actually helped a lot. Um, most of the imp uh, the improvement uh, came from the multitask learning. Uh, way basically, uh, if I put it in number, so uh, from the LSTM to Graph LSTM, I think we got uh, 0.5 to 0.8 percent of improvement. But if we do multitask learning, we got a two point of improvements.
0: Did you uh, it, did you also use the multitask learning for the BiLSTM and the other the other representation learning setups? Or, or yes. Just?
2: Yes, uh, and I see similar improvements for for each.
0: Right. And the numbers that are reported in the table, it's with uh, all all of the methods used. This multitask learning is that right?
2: Um, I think I only tried it for BioSTM and uh, the Graph LSTM, and I reported both of them in the paper. Okay.
0: Oh yeah, I was I was looking at a different table. You're you're totally right. Mm-hmm.
2: Alright,
1: and there was one more uh, experiment that you uh, that you did um, on genetic pathways.
2: Oh, yes. So for that one, is it's basically just a sanity check because on that data set there are manually labeled uh, dependency paths, uh, dependency trees. So that's our like gold dependency. But for for the uh, PubMed experiments, the dependencies are uh, we ran a Stanford parser on it. So we are trying to compare uh, if we have a perfect uh, syntactic parsing uh, compared with um, um, the automatically generated syntactic dependencies, which one will be better? And we find that that's right, that if we have a perfect dependency, uh, uh, syntactic dependence analysis, we will be better off.
1: Uh, All right, so that's all uh, the questions I had for you in the paper. Uh, Any last comments?
2: Uh, No, thank you for having me here, and it's a great conversation with you guys. Yeah, thanks for the discussion.